0: Hey Barbie, can I come to your house tonight? Sure. I don't have anything big planned, just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and planned choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. You can find me under the lights, diamonds under my eyes. It's the best day ever. It is the best day ever. So is yesterday and so is tomorrow and every day from now until forever. <laughs> Do you guys ever think about dying? Some things have been happening that might be related. Cold shower. Falling off my roof. Ah! And my heels are on the ground. (gasps) What do I have to do? You have to go to the real world. You can go back to your regular life, or you can know the truth about the universe. The choice is now yours. The first one, the high heel. You have to want to know. Okay? Do it again. Closer I am, fine. Closer I am, fine. I'm coming with you. Okay. Wow, this is the real world. What's going on? Why are these men looking at me? Yeah, they're also staring at me. Barbie in the real world that's impossible if this got out this could mean extremely weird things for our world this would be catastrophic we haven't played with Barbie since we were like five years old oh no one rests until this doll is back in a box even if nobody Humans only have one ending. Get that Barbie! Ideas live forever. No, I won't let you do just one appendectomy. But I'm a man. But not a doctor. Can I talk to a doctor? You are talking to a doctor. Can I need a clicky pen? No. A sharp thing? No. There he is. Doctor! Somebody get security. Is Barbie boots if you're still in doubt? Emergency didn't need a charge. We're in a race against the Nazis, and I know what it means if the Nazis have a bomb. Of a 12 month head start. 18. How could you possibly know that? We've got one hope. All America's industrial might and scientific innovation connected here. Secret laboratory. Keep everyone there until it's done. Let's go recruit some scientists. Build a town, build it fast we don't let scientists bring their families, we'll never get the best. Why would we go to the middle of nowhere for who knows how long? Why? Why? How about because this is the most important thing to ever happen in the history of the world? You're the great improviser, but this you can't do in your head. Are we saying there's a chance that when we push that button, we destroy the world? Chances are near zero. Near zero. What do you want from theory alone? Zero would be nice. This is a matter of life and death. I can perform this miracle. World War II would be over. Our boys would come home. Happening, isn't it? The world will remember this day. Our work here will ensure a peace mankind has never seen. Until somebody builds a bigger one. The man who gave them the power to destroy themselves. And the world is not prepared. Eight. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Truman needs to know what's next. Two. What's next? One. Hello everyone and welcome to an explosive edition, pun intended, of Palace Off the Top Rope. Thank you so much for joining me ladies and gentlemen. And on deck for today's episode, Barbenheimer. It has finally arrived. Um, I've experienced it already. I hope you have as well. It has just been a tremendous weekend. Lots to break down with everything including the box office, my reviews of both films. And in the last segment I'm going to talk about what quite possibly could be a very, very fun Oscar season and campaign with both of these movies involved. And yes, I'm talking about Barbie specifically. I know some of you are going to say Oscars for a Barbie movie. Uh, once you get my review of the movie, you're going to understand why this movie is a lot more than what it seems, you know, under the surface. So yes, um, I saw it as a double feature this week, and I had a friend join me and it was just the absolute best time Um One of the best experiences I've had at movies in years, you know, it was a whole day that we made out of it. We went to an early lunch and then, you know, we did the back to back movies, which was a span of an entire like five hours. So, um, and we were both wowed by both of the movies and it was just a very, very fun experience and I'll never forget it. Um, it's, it's just like one of those things that I'll remember where I was and like, you know, where I was when I saw the dark night for the first time or, you know, just, you know, just, classic movies, instant classic movies. I think both of these are. Uh, you're going to remember where you are, where you saw it. So hopefully you got to see it as well. So again, I saw the double feature. If you've seen one, see the other, see both. Uh, I just highly recommend both of them. I'll get more in-depth with my reviews of both of them as we go along here in this episode. Um, I also work at a movie theater, as I have to state all the time. Uh, and I And I say that only because I don't know if there's new listeners tuning into the show for the first time. But yes, I do work at a movie theater, and I have to say, this weekend was one of the craziest busiest but also just in hindsight just one of the most fun weekends and all you can ask for working in the industry like this it just it's thriving it's it's movie going it's people going out united watching something that they're both interested in um, a lot of people a lot of women dressed up in pink this weekend that was nice to see um, you know just you know cuz we're used to seeing the cosplayers right the iron mans and the marvels and dc whatever it is so this was a movie targeted for a underserved audience i think that has been like for the most part in in a lot of hollywood history so when movies are targeted for the females they do show out in droves you know a la magic mike or you know just sex in the city i can think about the first sex in the city movie that was so huge back in the day just unbelievable amounts of women coming out to support these movies so maybe this is something for hollywood to look at in the future like let's make a lot of movies that are also targeted towards the female audience i'm not saying make those more than you know movies targeted towards like uh the males but you know there's got to be a balance of both Because as we saw from this past weekend, the women will turn out in droves. Now I know it was driven behind a commercially licensed product like Barbie, which has been around forever. Uh, but still, you know, if you can make quality movies like this with directors behind it with a vision, you're going to have people come out and support it. So being at the theater this weekend, it's been insane. It's still going on. Like this is a, uh, this has basically been built as a big event for both movies. And it's turning out that way, not just for the three day weekend, but, you know, working yesterday during the weekday. And it, w- it felt like a, like a Saturday afternoon. Like it was just crazy amounts of people all day, all night. So, uh, just awesome, awesome. And sticking with the movie theater part of it, let's talk about the, the box office this weekend for it. Again, records were shattered all over the place. Um, this was by far the biggest weekend of the whole year and of course also the summer so let's round up the top five let's work our way up at number five this week at the box office was indiana jones and the dial of destiny bringing in 6.8 or 6.7 million bringing its total to 158 million now normally movies that do over 100 million you consider a success but with a movie like Indiana Jones, which was price tag at around 300 million, and I think that includes marketing, or maybe even not without marketing, either way, a huge budget for this movie, and it's only compiled 158 million in the nation, um, is not good, so it's considered a flop, and you know, I there's people coming out still to see it in the theaters, and it does fill up, but it's also in a smaller auditorium where I'm at, so there's still people coming out to see it, but not in the way that we were expecting for a franchise like this to perform, which is also billed as the final one with Harrison Ford. So again, a little bit of sequel fatigue and kind of like who was really asking for another Indiana Jones movie. So a lot of that to question. And, and we'll talk about what's going on here and especially with, with Barbenheimer opening this week and what the audience is telling the masses over at Hollywood, the, the, the powers that be and all that stuff. At number four, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, dropping 64% from uh, from its first weekend. So normally for all movies like this, this signals doom. Uh, the reason Mission Impossible kind of a little bit gets a pass is because usually these movies leg out. And the reason it took a huge hit this weekend is obviously because the target audience for mission impossible dead reckoning went to go see oppenheimer it's kind of the same type of older movie crowd going audience so that hindered that a little bit so it brought in 19.4 million bringing its total to 118 so on the surface it doesn't look good but as uh With Barbenheimer already out, and this is kind of really like the last big weekend of summer, I know we still got a couple of movies to come out, Blue Beetle, Ninja Turtles, The Meg 2, but I don't think those movies are going to have the legwork, where they may have kind of like maybe big openings, but then they're just going to flame out, but you'll still have Mission Impossible there, and of course it wasn't on a lot of bigger screens this weekend because they were taken by Barbie and Oppenheimer, and especially at my theater was felt like Mission Impossible was completely moved off to the smaller theaters and they sold out really quickly so people may not be able to go out in droves to see it all at once so it may take weeks uh, days and weeks for for this movie to leg out and hopefully make the money uh back on its budget but i know this mission impossible is a little different because it was filmed during covid at the height of covid and the production stalls and all that stuff and the budget skyrocketed because of that. So it, it's, it's got a tall task ahead of it, but the movie is critically beloved. The audiences loved it. I think it got an A on cinema score. So, but again, also just like Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, Indiana Jones, that was a part five, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning part one is, the seventh movie in the franchise so there is a little bit of fatigue in there too i have to add that in i can't just be completely biased for this movie while yes i do trust that the audience will make up for it in the long run and this movie will make money and it'll be profitable but a little bit also of the reasoning is this is the seventh one are people tired of these even though the Mission Impossible movies have kind of gotten better as they've gone along. And not many franchises can say that. So, again, this is why it's an outlier and also why I'm very optimistic about it. So, But coming in at number four is, is also surprising because at number three is the other um surprise hit of the summer, which nobody's talking about. But I will talk about it on my show because it, it, it is a real movie that's making money and it's top five in the box office. I can't ignore it. And that's Sound of Freedom bringing in 19.8 million, bringing its total to 124 million. This is from Angel Studios. Have you ever heard of Angel Studios? No, nobody has. So this is a huge hit of the summer from a non-big studio movie uh and the the marketing and the messaging behind it and the viral marketing has been incredible the paid forward thing that they're doing for it has just been awesome it's it's still a hard movie to get into um again as i mentioned working at the theater i see the ticket sales for this and they're just continuing to be through the roof so people are just going to continue to come out in the days and weeks where this movie ends up uh and it's total for its box office i'm not even sure like this thing could get as high as maybe 200 million by the time it's said and done probably more closer to 150 160 that's what my guess is but this is one of the biggest uh surprises of the summer of the year and i'm shocked that it's not getting more coverage uh in like the trades and the hollywood reporters the varieties deadlines, stuff like that anything that comes out of this movie is more like from an agenda standpoint and i think we need to stop stuff like that and we just need to recognize movies doing well when they're doing well and this it beat out mission impossible and it's second weekend that's in, that's in, that's insane like nobody would have ever guessed that i didn't even know this movie existed until i saw the ticket sales for this about a month and a half ago where i was like wait a minute what is this thing coming out uh so yes so again good for business it it, it drives a different audience to come out and, and check out these movies so again i'm all about the spirit of business at the end of the day working at a theater like this is This is just good all around. So hats off to Sound of Freedom. And we'll see how much more money it continues to make as summer continues to roll along here. And now let's get to Barbenheimer, which were obviously the number one and number two movie. So Oppenheimer, number two, a three-hour movie about men talking in rooms directed by Christopher Nolan, who is the sell of this movie, even though it's got a tremendous all-star cast. The sell of the movie is Christopher Nolan... And the whole, like, how's he going to portray, like, the atomic bomb? How's he going to do that? He says there's no CG and all that stuff. A movie like this, a biopic, three-hour drama. This is a movie, like, a type of movie you would see, like, later in December. Or maybe not so much. Not in the heart of summer, folks. Like, we're long gone from those days. Like, you'd see this in the 90s for sure. But bringing in $82.5 million for universal pictures universal pictures may have gotten the nvp of, of the year in christopher nolan and bringing them over to their studio of course christopher nolan was more famous for doing all of his movies at warner brothers but the way they kind of soured on how everything happened with tenet that made him go south on them and he bolted and went to universal they picked him up and this was the first movie he released and it's a three-hour talking picture uh and some of it is in black and white which is also a hard sell and it brought in 82.5 million now a lot of it has to go hand in hand with barbie and the whole viral marketing sensation of the barbenheimer thing where it really didn't become about like one movie over the other it became like a a unison thing kind of like a Let's see if we can muster out a partnership for both of us. So it benefited both studios, right? Universal and Warner Brothers. So everybody wins here in the end. I know Nolan was kind of, I had been reading, he was stifled that Barbie uh, Warner Brothers put out Barbie on the same release date as Oppenheimer, but it really did help because had Oppenheimer come out by itself I don't think we would have seen this kind of number. I, I think we would have seen closer to maybe 55, 60, the way we've been seeing for like Mission and Indiana Jones. We'd be, we'd be seeing that kind of number. But I think the jump to like 80 plus million does help because a lot of the people that went to go see Barbie did the double feature and did Oppenheimer as well. So kudos to, to Warner Brothers for sticking that movie there alongside Oppenheimer because it just benefited both of them. And then, of course, we come to number one. I knew this one was going to win outright like I didn't think Oppenheimer considering not only what the material was but also people need to understand this when it comes to an Avengers Endgame is the outlier right because that movie was three hours but it had like so many screens to get. like there was nothing else right so they all the showtimes were for Avengers Endgame so it was able to make the big money that it did. But Oppenheimer is has to share screen time with Barbie and also the other big movies that are out right now like Mission Impossible and then Sound of Freedom, which is also uh, gaining screens. Um, so I knew based on that fact alone that Oppenheimer would not beat out Barbie. And Barbie is a shorter movie, I believe, like with previews and everything, it's like two hours and ten minutes. Like that's your ideal slot for a movie. You can slip in more show times. So Barbie brought in a whopping one hundred and sixty-two million. Now, did I think it was going to be this big? A little bit. I did. I did. And I can go back to the release of the original teaser trailer of this movie. And when it first came out, and it just, it was a little weird and wonky. A lot of, uh, it was an homage to 2001 A Space Odyssey, if you've ever seen that movie. Um, and if you haven't, don't call yourself a film lover, um, so I saw that and it was just a weird, wacky take. And of course, this was going to be coming from Greta Gerwig, who, um, she's one of my favorite directors have, and I know this is only her third, uh, directed feature, but she's already one of my favorites. I love her voice and I love the cast that she's brought on for her movies. And there was something where once the, te- the first teaser trailer came out where it didn't really show what the movie was. And I'm like, this is going to be special. It just, it just has the feel of it it's got me hooked even though barbie I'm not the intended audience for that you know that appeals to you know uh females my age who grew up with barbie you know moms and mothers who grew up with barbies or bought barbies for their daughters and of course like little girls i have two girls who blew, grew up with barbies uh you know i think my daughter even had a barbie dream house as well so it appeal the the appeal was for them but the fact that it had like a specific weirdness and just it was wacky the trailer and it hooked me right away i was like okay this is this is tapping into more than just like the female audience this is just it, it may be like a mainstream for everybody that's going to check it out and look at the number like and i know a lot of it also is double features and and the viral internet thing and everybody just wanting to get in on the event but the fact that Barbie <laughs> opened this high is not a surprise to me considering how a trailer attracted somebody like me who it's not the audience for. So that's, that's Greta Gerwig tapping into something more than just the female audience. And again, you'll get into more of my, what my review of Barbie is in just a bit where it does kind of lean more on the female side of things, but there's a positive message all around for all of us as a society. Um, great weekend this is the fourth biggest weekend i think like of all time and you look at the comparisons of what's beat it out and of course it's the comic book movies but those have been like the staple for the last you know decade or so so it was nice to see a weekend where it was the theaters were packed and it was for movies that weren't sequels and i know barbie's part of an ip product uh sent out by a corporation called mattel and it's been around forever so but it had a storyteller behind it that told a unique story through this vessel a la the way Christopher Nolan did back in 2008 for Batman. So I think something incredible started there for her just like it did for Nolan back in 2008. And just the the, the uptick and the uptrack for both of these filmmakers just continues to go up. And the fact that they collided both this weekend in unison was just an unforgettable movie weekend and that's the top five at the box office and like i said it's just been super fun and it's going to continue to rake in all the money i think oppenheimer is going to leg out huge um the imax and 70 millimeter prints at our theater have been sold out they're sold out all week and i'm sure they're going to sell out uh, for as long as we have it and then barbie i thought was maybe going to fall off a little bit until i saw the monday numbers where we brought in 26 million Which is the biggest Monday ever for Warner Brothers Pictures topping. Who else? Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight, which held that 24 million for all this time. So big, huge win for movies, uh, big, huge win for Warner Brothers. And then of course a huge win for Universal Pictures in landing Christopher Nolan and putting out a movie like this. It's about people talking and about the atom bomb. And it brought in over 80 million. Like what can you say? Like the power of cinema, the power of. Event movies and putting product out there that people want to see and everybody out there this weekend wanted to see these movies and came out of it, you know, just, I saw a lot of amazement in people's eyes, a lot of smiles, people coming out of Barbie, like there was just magic in the air this weekend and I'm not being hyperbole, I'm not being prisoner of the moment, like you could just feel it. It was a palpable build up to it and when it finally arrived, I think it delivered in the best way possible. And with that, let's take a break here and when we come back i'm going to give you my double review of first barbie i'm going to tell you in the order that i watched it so i saw barbie first and then oppenheimer right after so stick around this is palace off the top rope we'll be right back a dark spirit has cursed this house surprise is anybody else seeing this wait We don't stop him we could be trapped here forever disney's haunted mansion he look human sort of he carried his head in a hat box what part of that is sort of ready pg-13 get tickets now welcome back to the show haunted mansion from walt disney pictures coming to theaters this friday it's got a pre- pretty fun cast rosario dawson danny devito owen wilson lake keith stainfield um there, it's a remake of the 2003 version that starred Eddie Murphy, which did well for its time. But I don't know how much people are clamoring for another remake. And again, this just goes to the fatigue of sequel after sequel after sequel, remake after remake. Audiences are craving stuff that is new and that is fresh. Um, you know, Super Mario Brothers, Barbie and Oppenheimer. So I think Haunted Mansion is going to get lost in the shuffle Um, Barbenheimer should take the number one and number two spot again, respectively, this weekend. I think Oppenheimer will continue to climb and get a little bit more even with Barbie. I could see Barbie falling off a little bit more than Oppenheimer, only because there is a little bit of backlash against the movie for how female empowered it is. But, you know, that, that's a small percentage and you're seeing it online and on YouTube. I've seen some videos already and it's come, people completely missing the point and just making too much out of it. Uh, that it's like a man hating movie and, (laughs) you know, I mean, I don't like to dive into politics or anything like that. And I don't lean far left or far right. I, I think I, I'm kind of more like in the middle. But, I mean, if, if that's going to be the hill that you're going to die on, that this movie is like so much female empowerment and whatever, like just go outside or go watch other movies. You know, there's Oppenheimer also. Like, you know, if, if you want to get your feeling of like, you know, men rule the world or whatever, or if you think the patriarchy is better or what. Or whatever it is, like at the end of the day, they're just movies. The people that lean too much into this stuff, like, or like that's the hill, the absolute hill that they want to die on. I mean, I don't get it. I get not having an issue with it, but that making like your complete stance on why you don't like the movie, um, is just baffling to me. So like I said, there, there are, A small percentage of people out there and they'll probably spread that gospel to their audience. So I can see the box office kind of falling a little bit for Barbie, but it'll definitely still be number one. But Oppenheimer is definitely going to leg out huge, uh, just based on the, the IMAX and the 70 millimeter prints that are like, it's, they're, they're rare screens to find. So like for the IMAX 70 millimeter, there's only two in Texas where I'm from. So there's one here in San Antonio and the other one's in Dallas. So, Again, the rare that these uh, locations are to have this type of film this movie in this format um yes it's I think it's gonna lag out much longer. but anyways, now to the reviews of the actual movies themselves. so for Barbenheimer, we did start with Barbie. That was the first movie we saw, and just based on the outcomes of the movies, I think Barbie would have been the better movie secondly if you wanted to end on a high note even though oppenheimer i thought was tremendous like just one of the best movies of the year and also just one of the best movies ever but kind of the the note that it leaves it on like you kind of want to leave a little bit happy in a good mood and oppenheimer was just so much emotion and so much dread and so much thinking of like where we are in the world so if we had done it differently, I think I might have done Oppenheimer first just because Barbie left you more a little bit in high, higher spirits. But again, both movies are excellent. And let's start with Barbie. Let's start overall on what I thought of the movie. Um, super fun. Not long. Thank you for not making this this in the wrong hands. This would have been a two-hour and 20-minute just bloated movie for like no reason um i love the aesthetics of the movie the practicality the sets the production design the fashion is all incredible and again that's all from greta gerwig and her style and and the way she wanted to tell this story because they could have easily cgi and i'm sure there's some cgi shots in here but they could have cgi'd everything in the barbie land world and you can tell a lot of it it looks like it was made and, and and made with passion so That sticks out right away and it's like the first 15, 20 minutes of the movie and it's like, it's really awesome. So I love seeing that aesthetic. Even though I'm not a girl and I'm not into Barbie, but I can appreciate the passion that was put in to make it look like, you know, imagine a little girl that's going to see this movie and they're seeing that on the big screen, like a big screen live action Barbie movie for the first time. And it's looking exactly like the toys that they buy. Like that's an awesome feeling. Like I can speak on that in terms of like, you know, having the ninja turtle toys and then seeing the live action movies on the big screen like that was a big deal for me and now i think the reason why this movie i think is going to have a long lasting impact is because now we have that for the female version right for the female the young females growing up in this world will have this movie to look up uh for future like they'll remember seeing barbie live action for the first time um now, some of the messaging in the movie, they may not understand until they're older, and that's why I think this movie is going to become an instant classic because there's a lot of positive messaging in it, even though it's a little smart and more adult uh, messaging. But they can rewatch this as an adult when they grow up, and they'll learn to appreciate it even more. So, yes. Okay, so overall, the aesthetic and the look of it was awesome. Uh, the The acting choices were perfect, perfectly casted. So if you followed up, uh during the run in the making of this movie because this barbie movie has been in development forever wasn't always at warner brothers i believe it was at sony pictures for a while and originally the person that was going to play barbie was amy schumer now if you know her she's from the movie train wreck you know funny comedian you know and and not to pick on looks or anything like that and that's a big part of the barbie movie it's like i don't know if she would have been the right choice. Um, just because, like, her humor also is very vulgar and just very, just gross comedy, you know, like, if you've ever seen, like, the her, her style of comedy is just very, like, gross and, you know, I don't say gross and, like, disgusting, but just, you know, like, that potty humor and the sex humor and all that stuff. I don't think she would have been the right fit to play the Barbie character, not because of how she looks, but just because in terms of her tone, I think Margot Robbie was perfectly casted uh, just because she, she brings a sincerity to it like yes she's beautiful on the outside and just a stunner to look at but in her acting and this is why margot robbie is one of my favorite actresses is that she's willing to go to those places where it's not the stereotypical version of who you think she would play in a movie like my favorite performance of hers is uh in a movie called i tanya where she played tanya hardy and she did have to Get a little bit dirty in the row and not have that you know beauty queen look, and but she can perform as well, and that's that's the double uh advantage of Margot Robbie is that she's beautiful on the outside, but she's also got a beautiful spirit on the inside, and her acting is incredible. And I'm not taking anything away from Amy Schumer, but I just think Margot Robbie is better represented to as the face and marketing this into making it a huge giant hit. Now, would have Barbie been a hit? With Amy Schumer? Sure, you know, it's, it's, again, at the end of the day, it's, this is a movie that's behind a licensed commercially corporate product that has been around, you know, for years and years and years. So, you know, my girls played with Barbies, my sisters played with Barbies, I'm sure my mom when she was younger had some form of Barbies in her collection, you know, so this, Barbie character has been around forever so would it have been a hit yes but I think Margot Robbie just perfectly encapsulate it's just beautifully casted and she was so funny in this movie she was so sincere um, the way she would deliver certain lines you know like there's a scene between her and Ken and Ken's wanting to stay over at Barbie's house. And just very, like, she's very naive and just like, why? Like, and, and I don't want you here, but not in a mean-spirited way. It's just very like, you know, like, I, I don't see you in that way. And it comes across that way, but I can see the people that are being like, oh, this is so anti-men or whatever. But no, I, I just saw it as very funny and just very straight and very sincere. So Margot Robbie, and, and that's why she's been, she's been nominated for an Oscar twice. And I can see her getting a third nomination for this one. Um, so she was great. Ryan Gosling. Everyone's talking about him, uh, show, uh, scene stealing performance. I agree with all that. He's incredible. He's funny. But for those of us that have been watching Ryan Gosling over the years and people are barely saying like, oh, like Ryan Gosling's so funny in this. Like, uh, where have we seen this before? And for the most part, all of you whiffed and never saw a movie called The Nice Guys, w- which he co-starred with Russell Crowe. Check that out. Ryan Gosling is super underrated in terms of his comedy timing and just the way he delivers his lines and his facial expressions. Another thing to go look at for him in terms of comedy is he hosted SNL. I think he's hosted like twice already. I think the first time he hosted SNL, he did a bunch of memorable skits on there and he's just naturally funny. And hopefully with the success now of Barbie and everybody noticing this performance, maybe that could get a little bit of push behind getting the nice guys too made because that's one of those buddy cop movies it it was set like in the 70s uh very wacky old school style film it didn't do too well but it was critically beloved and i would love to see it get a sequel because ryan gosling is just so just fucking funny man like I, i i i knew this from the start when he was casted as ken i'm like if this is Greta Gerwig and, and I can see the style that she's going for, like she's going to let Ryan Gosling go loose and he's, he's going to be able to give us a performance uh, with such comedy and such just, he's such a whack. He's such a buffoon in this movie, but it, it's so lovable. And he does a rendition here of matchbox 20s push. Uh, it's one of the best things you ever see on film. I like hollered uh, when I heard this on the screen. So, I mean, it, it just the performances and the casting was just beautiful uh the supporting cast is good as well will ferrell kate mckinnon uh there's a whole slew of uh just great supporting actresses uh america ferrara uh from superstore which i just recently started watching not too long ago with my daughter she's really great in that so she she fit well here in the barbie movie um yeah just a whole cast of supporting actors just a good cast overall you can see everybody's into it nobody's phoning it in even will ferrell like you know he's just, he's got a small part but he does the most of what he's got and and of course the movie's not about him right in any in the wrong hands they could have easily made this about the evil corporation and because there's a lot of you know talk between like the barbie land world and the real world and how the the world mix up and, and all that stuff and and again it, this movie is also just it's so weird the movie is like just very very weird in the way it tells its story and its it meta commentary and how self-aware it is like there's a part in the movie where margot robbie towards the end of the movie is making like this speech it's I don't, not at the very end but like in the third act Where she's, uh, explaining how, like, she's, how could anybody like her anymore that she's nothing and not beautiful? And Helen Mirren is narrating the movie and she stops midpoint during her narration and goes like, Hey, like, by the way, you know, if the studios really wanted to make this point about, you know, nobody relating to the Barbie character and not thinking she's beautiful or whatever, Margot Robbie was not the person to cast in this movie. Like the movie's so super self-aware of, um, you know the hypocrisy and all that stuff of a character like that and, and, and someone as beautiful as margot robbie delivering those lines it's silly right um but yeah there's a there's a lot of positive messaging here about women and, and their portrayal in the world and and how there's more to meet the eye than somebody's look but then also like the how a toy like barbie has affected generations of girls growing up you know expectations and all that stuff so a lot all that stuff is addressed and is done in such a a mature and nice way and not in a mean way so i don't understand the people that are coming for it and saying like oh it's so anti-men and this and that and it's so like fuck men and women power all the way but look beyond that it's looking more at how like just women in general how are they're portrayed in the world and the expectations of them and a lot is going into america ferrara's final monologue in that movie which i thought was just tremendous um it might be one of one of those monologues that i redo that i refilm and if if you're on my social media and i'm always doing reenactments of scenes like she's got a really good dialogue now i, I don't know if i would be the right person to reenact that speech because it's total totally about women empowerment and um but she's phenomenal in that. And again, there's just so much positive messaging in this. Along with the fact that the movie is just actually super funny. Um, there's just so many jokes that land. So many inside jokes. And again, the movie's much more smarter and much more adult than you would think. And in the wrong hands, this could have been a total travesty. Now, I haven't seen the Super Mario Brothers movie yet. And there's certain exceptions to the rules uh because i was told like that movie is super straight up it's super basic and plain but that movie is completely targeted for children and you could see that like i remember kids coming out of the movie saying like oh that was the greatest thing i've ever seen so they hit the target audience for that but you know if you had someone like the miller brothers behind the super mario brothers movie imagine how good that could have been on an intellectual level um you know because you look at the spider-man movies the across the spider-verse movies and all that stuff uh the lego movie which was done by them like movies that were like targeted to kids but also like super smart and was very witty and could appeal to both children and the adults this is what barbie has done you know it's there for the look and the aesthetic of it for the young children but then like for the positive messaging and the and the themes that is trying to get across is there for the adults and they'll appreciate that more and again, I mentioned, like, in 2008, Christopher Nolan gave us The Dark Knight, and again, this is a movie that could have simply been about Batman and Joker, and, you know, good versus evil, uh, Batman chasing Joker through the movie, whatever, could have been super straightforward, but what Christopher Nolan decided to do was make it more complex, and not complex in a way that it's, like, super hard to understand or anything like that, but it just got you to think, and that's something that major popcorn flicks major summer blockbuster movies didn't really do at the time especially in that genre right because it was straight good guy versus bad guy but no this made you think about stuff and question well does joker have a point uh is batman doing too much that he thinks is good but it's actually not like there's just a lot of themes in that movie that just changed everything that was made in that genre and it's been tried to be done ever since so I think Greta Gerwig has done the same thing here with Barbie, is that she's taken this, you know, iconic figure that's been around for toys for years and years and years, and decided to use it as a vessel to give us messaging about you know females' place in the world and you know how women are portrayed and all that stuff, but try to push it in a more positive, a uh, forward-thinking way. That's awesome. Like I- I'm all for that. So the people that were expecting like you know, a just straight up Barbie movie, a la the Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers movie, where it was just straight to the point and just not a lot of muster behind it. It's just very what it is. It's more about the aesthetic and the look of it. And Barbie could have done the same thing in the wrong hands, but I think what we've gotten here is a very sharp, uh, just very complex, uh, movie. <laughs> underneath it that's just trying to say something and it's and it's speaking to a lot of people and a lot of different things so that's why i think it's going to be in line for oscars to come next year and you know maybe a long shot for best picture and all that stuff would i nominate it today if uh based on what we've seen already and and looking at what's to come and there's like 10 slots usually every year for a best movie like yeah i would definitely slide it in there um now will that happen that remains to be seen but this was just a very, very well made movie from a, a director who's got a vision and wants to tell these kind of stories and has a voice. Now, if for those of you out there that are like not really into like directors and what they've done before and all that stuff, and you just went because it's Barbie, I I urge you to go check out Greta Gerwig's other movies. She's done uh, Lady Bird, which was her first movie. That was a really good like coming of age story. And then she did another coming-of-age movie, but this one was based off a movie that's been done before, but she put her spin on it, and it was Little Women. Uh, that one had Emma Watson and Florence Pugh, uh, just a great, great cast in that movie, but she brought her voice to it on a story that we've seen many times, a la Batman and stuff like that, but told her voice and her the way she wanted to portray that uh those characters and that story through her eyes and she's done that here with barbie only barbie is just such a bigger it's a bigger studio it's a bigger character and i think she's done something tremendous here with this and I, like i said i think this is going to become an instant classic for females um you know for the young kids they can watch it and enjoy it for what it is on the surface but when they grow up they can rewatch it and be like oh wow it's actually saying this about the world and and all this positive messaging so um again for those that are backlashing on it and it's too you know anti-men or whatever and maybe i don't know maybe i just see it from a different lens you know i grew up in a home with two sisters and i have two daughters um, a lot of my cousins are female, and I'm probably more closer, I would say, to my aunts than I am my uncles, so maybe I'm just more, I guess, sensitive to the female perspective view of things, and that's not a bad thing, you know, so, so I can see where they're coming from, and I can, but then I can see it on the other end, why people would be upset about this, and it's mostly people, like, on the far right, and, you know, I've seen those videos on YouTube, and they're coming from, like, conservatives and stuff like that, so... I mean, whatever, they can have whatever opinion they want of it, but if that's the hill that they want to die on, that it's like specifically targeting like anti-men, like that's not what it, that's not what it is about. You have to look deeper than that and like really think about it. Like I urge them, go see it again and just like really pay attention to what Greta Gerwig is trying to say. It's really more about the females more than like females taking over the world or, and no men should exist or anything like that. Not even that at all. Cause there's this nice little moment also in the, In the movie, where the Ken character is obviously in awe of Barbie, wants to be with her and this and that, she obviously doesn't feel the same way, she just sees him as a friend. But also kinda the way she treats him is also kinda like not cool. And the movie addresses that at the end. And, you know, Barbie actually apologizes for the way she treats Ken and stuff like that. So there's, there's, there's that balance. But is it, is it like equally balanced in this movie? No, yes, it favors more the women than the men, but there's an acknowledgement of it. So, you know, it's give and take. And again, I've had my stuff growing up. The Ninja Turtles, Batman, my heroes like Rocky. And I'm not saying females don't look up to those characters either. But this character specifically is catered to the female audience. So let them have this one, folks. Just let them have it. Uh, and plus, it's just, I think, a really, really great and smart movie. So that's my review of Barbie. Go check it out if you haven't. Um, I think it's going to make the Palace uh home video collection. Uh so whenever there's a steelbook announced for it, I think it's it's entered in. And Greta Gerwig, I can't wait to see what she does next. I heard that she may tackle the Chronicles of Narnia, which there'll be more controversy there because that's more of a Christian-based um franchise and book series. Um so I'm sure she's not going to get that love from the very right conservative side of the audience. So more controversy for her, but you know, that that's been the same for all like great directors right you know Spielberg has had his critics Christopher Nolan has had his critics Corsese Tarantino y'all name them like Greta Gerwig although only three films in she's got a distinct voice and she's entering that um I don't want to say the same level as those directors but she's certainly headed on a path towards maybe one day getting there so there's always going to be the critics right so but that's Barbie. That's my take on it. I liked it a lot. I actually can't wait to see it again. So maybe I'll, I'll take my girls again. I know they they went to go see it this past weekend as well. And we can go check it out another time. Because I definitely want to take in a second viewing of this. Margot Robbie, you are the queen. And I'll talk about you later at the end of the show. As far as like the Oscars and stuff. So stick around. Uh, when we come back, Oppenheimer next on Palace Off the Top Rope. Don't let any human see you. Because Why? Are, are the, the demon, demon scum of the earth avoid them, don't say hi Continue to interact with them, them is the to die what about Drake? he seems like a fun hang Yeah, superfly so- Superfly's going to destroy the city if we want humans to accept us we have to be heroes <gasps> oh my god they don't see it oh. Ninja Turtles this film is inaugurated August 2nd welcome back to the show Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem coming out August 2nd I'm coming around a little bit on it. I know it's I'd prefer a live action Ninja Turtles movie, but I know we're really never gonna get what we got in the nineties, so I, I kinda just have to accept that. I've always loved the Ninja Turtles. Um I've been more open to the animation style as far as like, you know, what we got with uh into the Spider-Verse and Across the Spider-Verse, so um if it I'm not really sure who the writers and the directors are on this. Uh I know it's executive produced by Seth Rogen, who I'm kind of tired of. But um, it does look pretty decent. It looks a little bit more smarter and more um, adult, just like the Spider-Verse movie. So I'll probably give this one a chance along with Blue Beetle um, coming in August. So a very, uh, I don't know how big August is going to be box office wise. You know, this really feels like the last big weekend with Oppenheimer and Barbie. But we'll see. I could be wrong. And hopefully I am because then that just means more good business for us. So I'm never going to be upset about that. Okay, folks. Second part of Barbenheimer. Oppenheimer. Which I saw in 70 millimeter, uh, at my theater. Um, now people don't understand. Like people have been complaining a little bit about the 70 millimeter and, oh, this doesn't look right or whatever. But the thing that they don't understand is that 70 millimeter is, looks more rectangular, right? It's more about the width than the height. And the thing about our premium large formatted screens is that they're formatted taller as far more than the width so the 70 millimeter is more formatted for an old school style screen but most of our screens in our theater don't have that format they're all tall screens so uh, if people are complaining about the look um, it's actually not wrong it's accurate we have a pro- professional projectionist working the 70 millimeter print of Oppenheimer and he says that's the right look for it and uh, who am I to to judge a professional Uh, and I think it's find it funny that some customers think that they, they know, they know what it's supposed to look like. Well, clearly you don't do your research. There's actually an awesome YouTube video on all the different versions of Oppenheimer that were filmed and, they say that the best way to actually see it is any film version. So I'm glad I got to experience that with the 70 millimeter, and it's got a little bit more of that grainy look. The sound is a little bit better. The picture I feel is a is a bit sharper. That's why when you that's why I love home video so much because and physical media and why I'm still such a fan of it because when you stream stuff, a lot of it is compressed and you really don't get like the actual natural real look and how the directors envision the movie. So like, when you look at something like the, the Godfather that was re, restored and, and all these older movies, they always look so much better when they're, for, when they're upgraded to 4K because they were shot on film. And a lot of the movies these days now are, are all shot digitally, so. Um, and I walked in a little bit on Oppenheimer in our IMAX, which is playing the digital version, and it looks incredible, but, uh, having experienced the set, the film version of it, you could definitely tell the difference a little bit, so if you're into the te- technicalities like that, I do recommend a film version of any Oppenheimer, whether it be IMAX or just your regular 70 millimeter print, or I think some of them are even doing, I think 30 millimeter p- prints. I'm not, I'm not sure on that last part, but for sure, 70 millimeter, which is what we have. All right. So the movie itself overall, first thoughts, not since the dark night, have I come out of a Nolan movie where I was just completely wowed and like what an experience that was. Um and I want to preface this by saying that Christopher Nolan to me is the, the director of my generation. Like this is my guy. Um I love Quentin Tarantino, but he's the generation like right before me. So I still love all his movies and I still look forward to him and all that. But Christopher Nolan has been my guy uh since Memento, I believe in two thousand one, I believe that came out. Two thousand, two thousand one. Um and I've pretty much seen most of his movies on the big screen and in the format that he's been allowed to give us, whether it be IMAX or you know, seventy millimeter stuff like that. So I, I remember seeing Interstellar at the IMAX uh, River Center, just now completely blown away by that. I saw Dunkirk in the seventy millimeter print as well, and that was just what an experience that was. But I'm talking overall, just story performances soundtrack just wow this movie was just so incredible the best comparison i can make to it if you haven't seen it yet and and if you're still on the fence about it and what what you can expect if you've ever seen uh the movie jfk from oliver stone director uh has kevin costner in it and it's about the the assassination of john f kennedy and the conspiracy that followed uh The years following his death and it's about a lawyer reopening the case and wanting to investigate it but that movie is just such an acid trip of conspiracy and just balls to the wall like all these different timelines getting pushed together into like this three hour plus epic and that's one of the best movies ever and that's what i can compare it to is like oppenheimer kind of has this same spiritual sequel to that uh you know type of movie and that's just my jam man it's a bunch of guys talking in rooms um another comparable movie which would make this a good double feature with if it's not barbie is uh aaron sorkin's the social network directed by david fincher and it's again about a movie about a guy with a with an idea and an idea that he presents to a corporation and then the corporation takes it over and it becomes like this juggernaut so it's kind of like the same thing right like j robert oppenheimer has the idea here for the atom bomb and all of that that goes into it in the military and the politics getting involved and what happens in the aftermath of of getting a weapon like that and unleashing it on the world and and the uh just the consequences that follow even leading up to now like the thing about barbie and oppenheimer what's also so what's what's influencing i think their success right now is that they're movies of the moment so Barbie, obviously the female empowerment and female's role in the world continually evolving as time goes on. And then with Oppenheimer, it's the consequences of nuclear power and in the wrong hands. You know, are we setting ourselves up for our own destruction? There's all these questions about that stuff. So overall as an, as a cinematic experience, I can compare it to like JFK and the social network and those movies are completely my jam. And that's what makes this possibly Oh man, I, it's hard for me to rank the Nolan movies because I, I love them all. To, there's something about each and every one of them that something stands out. But if you're talking about like what I think are the best. So I think for me, like on a favorite level, it's always going to be The Dark Knight just because of what it brought to my favorite character. And that's the movie that really put him on the map and really changed everything in terms of Hollywood and where we are now for better or worse. Um, but Oppenheimer. I think is is really nolan's achievement of everything that he's done up till now like this is possibly his best movie since the dark knight in terms of like what he achieved and not just from like performances and story but also just from a filmmaking standpoint and you know set locations and doing everything practically um he says there's no cgi in this in this movie and i i have to take him at his word because if there is, you can't tell. There may be one sequence in the movie where you can, but it's like, okay, cool. Like, you had to have done it with CGI at some point with this. So whatever. But most of the movie is shot on on real locations. Like, um, obviously, when they were working on the Manhattan Project and the uh, the Trinity Project, um, they rebuilt the Los, Los Alamos location, uh, in the desert. They built the whole city and all that, and all that stuff. So Nolan's always been about, you know, trying to do stuff as real as possible. You know, you, you even look back at his last movie, Tenet, they crashed a giant, uh, airplane into a building and they did that for real. Like, and that just makes the movie going experience, the theatricality of it, seeing it on a big screen just gives it that much more umph and just, just power, uh, when you're watching it. So, and, and, and I say that, but this is a movie also where there's a lot of talking. The movie's over three hours. So, the, but it, it's done with such precision and the way the movie jumps timelines because it's going on all these different timelines and it's going at such a rapid pace that yes, there's stuff that you're not going to follow along, but one of the things that Nolan has always preached about his movies is that he wants you to, more feel it than anything and i can speak to that because the friend i was with um her watch kept going off during points in that movie and i i noticed it as well i was like oh wow she's like pretty popular and getting you know all these whatever emails texts or whatever and then she tells me after the fact in the in the movie she's like no my my heart rate monitor kept, uh, uh, going off and letting me know that her, you know, her pressure was up or, you know, anxiety or whatever it is was up just because of what was going on in the movie. And in my head, it, it was like, this is perfect. This is what Christopher Nolan wants his moviegoers that are seeing his movies to experience. They want, they want them to feel it more than really understand what's going on. Yes, you want to follow the story and the narrative, but it's more about feeling it and how the movie's making you feel. And let me tell you, when they do the Trinity test and they drop the bomb and all that stuff, and I won't, I won't describe to it what it looks like, I'll just tell you how it felt. Like, the tension was palpable. You can even feel it in the audience. Like, throughout that whole movie, like, you can hear sometimes when you're in movies, people like, you know, talking or maybe joking around or whatever. You could hear a pin drop in this, in this screening that I was at. Like, everybody was fully engaged, with what was going on, and it even got even more quiet once you get to the trinity test point of the movie and once it's delivered it's just like it's 30 seconds of like i don't even know like it, it's an it was an out-of-body experience i'm not speaking hyper, hyper hyperbolic like it, it was really an out-of-body experience and again you have to see it and you have to experience it to really understand what i'm talking about and that was incredible um so let's and that's like at the midway point of the movie and then there's just a whole completely other hour where it kind of becomes like a courtroom drama and again i'm all about the courtroom drama so that just sold it even more for me it was the same thing like the dark knight where a lot of the marketing made you believe that the joker getting flipped in that big giant 18-wheeler truck was like the climax of the movie but it really went into something else in the final hour and that's the brilliance again of nolan again just taking a turn and just giving you the unexpected on where the story was going with this even though it's a factually based and a lot of people know you know kind of like the events of what happened to this it's not like an original story it's based on on true events and it's i believe it's based off the book american prometheus if i'm not uh, mistaken um but yeah there's all of that so again you need to experience this movie on the biggest screen possible in film if you can um and I, I promise you, you're going to get your money's worth. And I know there's there's a lot of talking in the movie, and it's over three hours. But one of the other brilliant things that Nolan does, and there, I think there's a reason why he casted so many well-known actors into roles just placed all over in this movie. Like, And for it being three hours, I was never bored. I was always like, oh, wow, this person's in this movie. Ah, I didn't know this guy was in it. And holy shit, is that so-and-so in makeup for that performance? there's a lot of that so you're definitely going to get a who's who of like and it was the same thing for JFK you watch JFK and you're like all these people pop up like John Candy's in this and Joe Pesci and Gary Oldman and and then of course led by Kevin Costner so it's it gave me the same vibes and I gotta say it's just one of the best movies I've ever seen on the big screen and definitely I'm not ready to call it the best movie of the year we're not done yet so it's hard for me to say that but uh it may very well close to being up there along with air um even barbie barbie was right up there but oppenheimer is just a whole other monster um let's talk about the performances a little bit um i've always been kind of meh on killian murphy and he's a nolan regular he pops up in little supporting roles and he's fine here and there um got to see uh, a movie that he's super popular for uh 28 days later what my buddy jake i mean it's his favorite movie of all time he held a public or private screening not too long ago and i went to go watch it and he was good in that but also like eh, to me he's just a guy um in a quiet place part two he kind of took the reins there as the co-lead with emily blunt and again i I just didn't really buy him but man and i'm gonna give him his flowers here like he was so good in his role and i could definitely see an oscar nomination coming for him but more about that towards the tail end of this episode but he was super fantastic in this and you can see the the different emotions he's playing like haunted and conflicted and menacing and also like vulnerable like there's all of these different elements to that performance and um christopher nolan is pretty good at casting the roles i don't think he's i don't think he's misfired yet Uh, I know, um, Aaron Eckhart is kind of like the outlier in the dark Knight. I think that role was originally written for Matt Damon, but he's still really good in the performance. So that, that out of all his casting in his movies, I think Aaron Eckhart is kind of like the one that's like, this kind of doesn't fit, but still does. He makes it work. Um, and again, shout out to Aaron Eckhart in the dark Knight, Great. But I can see where he's the outlier as being like the only one where I don't really see him as a Christopher Nolan, like preferred pick for the role kind of just got deal with what was given to him but man he pulls it off here and the rest of the supporting cast is incredible robert downey jr welcome back i've always known you to be this great actor like that you know everyone only knows you as iron man for the most part but i know the movies you've given us over time uh early in your career and you could give us this kind of performance and i think i really think he's going to get nominated also for an oscar so Be on the lookout for that. He is just so incredibly menacing towards the final act of this movie where it turns out he's the real antagonist of the film. And he just, I mean, it's also chameleon a little bit. He's a little bit, I mean, he doesn't have that, you know, regular Downey Jr. look, you know, like a Tony Stark. He's really given a more complex look and and that works for his character um Emily Blunt I think is uh, also in line for for a nomination she's really good here Florence Pugh is in this she's great Matt Damon brings it as always and he kind of feels like he's in a little bit of a different movie but in the scenes that he's in he absolutely nails it and he's a joy to watch I guess my only complaint on Damon was I wish there was more of him in the movie but when he pops in at certain points like he's absolutely electrifying and those scenes are so good and there's just such a whole ray of of cast that's in this um what's another one i can think of that stood out josh hartnett where the fuck have you been um And what a joy to see him now uh, very older and mature and you know he was a heartthrob earlier in his career and he had all those roles you know think of Pearl Harbor and 40 Days and 40 Nights and you know Wicker Park and he he was just he was that heartthrob but seeing him in a role like this like where like the older women are kind of gonna just be in awe of him he's got the glasses look and you know the vest and that stuff so he's He's doing some great work here and hopefully this is kind of like a resurgence for him and you know if Nolan does another movie um, or just whatever his next project is I hope he keeps heartnet in mind because he was really good in this um, yeah everybody here just brought it and there's just so many surprises on on a who's who of of, of who's in this movie. And it was just such a joy to watch, man. This is, <laughs> this is why I love going to the movies and, 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 to get it in a double feature and to get so much good cinema that day that I, I'm just overjoyed. It's just make me fall in love with movies all over again. Like that just happens every now and then. I, I fall. I, I mean, I love movies like forever and always, but there comes a point where I, I always just re-fall in love. Like, like if it's the first time and that's what these movies brought to me this weekend so that that means something <laughs> and uh yeah well that well that's oppenheimer i don't really want to there's just there's a lot going on in this movie and again it, it's going to take multiple rewatches to really appreciate everything even though i already appreciate it now but i'm sure once i get into my multiple rewatches um i'm going to grow to love it and appreciate it even more and maybe i may put it above the dark knight so um but it's definitely top tier nolan he's at his prime um And the fact that this movie was sold on his name alone, yes, there's the huge cast, but the sell is Christopher Nolan, and there hasn't been a director that powerful since like Spielberg or Tarantino or even Scorsese, but in today's age where a movie like of his could draw in 80 million on a historical figure and it's set in the old days and some of it's in black and white, like 80 million? That is incredible. And Christopher Nolan is based, can basically do whatever he wants now. And I'm very interested to see what he wants to do next. And I know everyone, all the stupid media heads online and on YouTube are always talking about like, maybe he'll do a James Bond movie and maybe he'll do a Star Wars. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, can you just let him continue to cook and give us these, uh, interesting stories that are not IP related? Like, if he wants to come back, if he eventually wants to do a Star Wars movie or whatever, okay cool i know he'll bring actual something to the table with it so you can mark out over that i can mark out because i know what he'll be able to bring to it but um yeah i would prefer he just continues to do original stuff or pick another famous figure that none of us are even thinking about and make a movie about that and just continue to push his limits like every time we think christopher nolan has just gone above you know dropping the atom bomb right like that's as big of a you know practical thing pushing the limits that you can do without doing it to cgi what what's next like and that's the exciting part is that christopher nolan is very unpredictable so who knows His next movie could be uh I i don't even know i don't know but it makes me excited and oppenheimer i can't wait to watch this for a second time and a third time and then eventually i'll buy this on physical media and rewatch it at home. And I, I think this one along with Barbie, they're instant classics. And I think this, if I know this could be prisoner of the moment thinking, but this could be a turning point for Hollywood. And, and these movies also were not super expensive compared to like something like Indiana Jones, even Mission Impossible, you know, all these other sequels like Fast X that just cost so much damn money, but just didn't give you so much return on the product and just on the actual presentation of the films themselves like you look at indiana jones and the cgi that's used and the cgi and the marvel movies and then you look at movies like barbie and oppenheimer and they're just they're very there are movies of the now and what what's present in terms of theme but also just how they're bringing back the practicality of filmmaking and even though it's old, an old school style of movie making but it it feels fresh I love it i love it so much Loved barbie and i really really loved oppenheimer let's take one final break when we come back we're going to talk about the oscar uh campaign for these movies stick around this is palace off the top rope we'll be right back live from detroit for the faint of heart and the only question left is where do we start the biggest event of the summer just got even bigger motor city, city here we go i take the whole city now with this welcome back to the show WWE SummerSlam coming to you from Ford Field in Detroit Michigan live on peacock next saturday um hopefully i will do a prediction show on all the matches i think the card's getting finalized we'll, we'll probably find out hopefully by next monday what the entire card is going to be and you'll get a preview show for me man wwe is just they're so on fire right now in terms of like their merchandise sales and their live attendance like it, it's it's getting really scary close to how things were in the attitude era as far as like how it looks in the audience like you can see uh you know arenas filled to the rafters you can see the signs returning and stuff like that it's very it's starting to look very old school and how it was back in the day so and the ratings are super good like smackdown is one of the top shows on on network television i know right now it's summer so there's not a lot going on and with the writer strike it may continue to be that way so you know but football's also coming so you know i won't stay giddy too long because we know the ratings will get hit by that but wwe's looking really good right now their storytelling is is way way better than it was than in years past triple h has done an amazing job and i'm enjoying the television every single week my kids are back into it you know my dad watches with me regularly he knows what's going on so we're all super into it and and definitely we'll be watching Summerslam next weekend all right let's let's uh let's wrap up barbenheimer week or barbenheimer weekend i should say um with uh, Oscar talk now, I really don't like to do this much. You know, I, I kind of really like to wait until the slate is over, and once we get into January and past like the Golden Globes, then we can see kind of what's what. But you know, after seeing both of these movies, it's really hard to ignore uh, a lot of the categories that these movies are going to be nominated for. So let's start with the the highest of the highs, right? Best Picture, Oppenheimer is definitely a lock. Barbie. I can see it. Like if I were to nominate movies, I would definitely have it in there as one of the ten nominations, nine or ten. Is usually, what it is now. Now, and why I think Barbie has a bigger chance now is because you can even think back to when The Dark Knight got snubbed in 2008. Um, the nominations were still like around five. And then once The Dark Knight didn't get nominated, and a lot of people thought it should have gotten nominated for Best Picture, um, and it didn't, then they expanded the field the next year, and it's been like that ever since. So that's why I'm saying that a movie like Barbie now has a higher chance of, of making it as if, instead of like if it was like in the past where it was just five nominations, and I would say absolutely not. It's got no chance. But the fact that the nomination field is so wide now, I think it's got a really good chance because this movie is, is, again, more smarter than it appears. And it's really got, uh, an interesting message th- that conveys in the movie. And I think, you know, you, you gotta factor in, you know, the reception of the movie critically, uh, you know, financially, all of that really should factor in. And w- a lot of the things that have hurt the Oscars over the years is that they've nominated movies where while good, not something that attracts like a viewer. Now, if you see something like Barbie getting nominated, that'll get your casual viewer that, you know, may not be interested in the Oscars and see that a movie like this that they related to and were invested in would be like, whoa, let me tune in. So this happened a little bit last year. You saw a bump in the ratings. A movie like Top Gun Maverick was nominated for Best Picture. And that was a movie that was widely appealed to everybody and it made so much money, but it was also critically beloved and the audience loved it. So I think Barbie has a better chance now than it would have like, let's say 10 years ago. So. On that aspect, we'll put it right now... I have it like maybe 70% that'll get nominated. Best Director, Christopher Nolan, I think is a lock, And I think this is the year that he'll finally get his flowers. He's been nominated, I think, twice before. Once for Dunkirk. And I think Inception might have been the other one. Um, And his movies have also been nominated for Best Picture Inception. Dunkirk. um, Not sure if Interstellar did, but I don't think so. But um, he's definitely been nominated before. But I think this is the year... If it's not him or Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon, which comes out later this October, uh, I think Nolan is definitely in the running. Um, I mean, me personally, I would love to see it. Um, I think Ben Affleck is up there as well for the movie Air, which should not be forgotten about. It's also one of the best movies of the year. Um, but Nolan, I think the momentum of this movie is, is gonna carry over for weeks on end as we start to head into Oscar season cuz once we hit, hit past like August and into September and all that stuff that's when you really start to see kind of like the more awards, you know, buzzworthy films come out and movies that they want to push towards that uh that frame. But but we'll see. I think uh, Oppenheimer is going to have a lot of long legs and it's going to be a movie to be reckoned with come Oscar season. And for best picture a lock and then i'll put in a lock as well for for best director greta gerwig has an outside chance here for barbie because what she did here you know the presentation of the entire movie was incredible um kind of a a lower scaled in terms of uh filmmaking i mean it it was a hard movie to pull off right i mean you know those designs and everything it's i mean just to give it that look it's not an easy feat But also it's, it's not as heavy of a movie as like an Oppenheimer. Um, but you know, Air is also released earlier this year and I think Ben Affleck would have a good chance at director. So why not Greta Gerwig? She's been nominated before, I believe for Little Women. So, um, but that field is narrowed down to five and historically obviously it hasn't been positive for women in this field, but if the messaging of the movie is correct and if, we're going to progressively move forward and get females into this slot um and and I'm not saying like just to shoe her in because she's a woman I think she's a great director and her voice is very distinct so she would be very worthy of a nomination for best director so for right now I have it a little bit under 50% that she'll be nominated but you know if the if the Barbie power messaging stays strong on the campaign which I think they're going to campaign for heavily um she'll have a shot best uh, actor killian murphy lock him in for for oppenheimer for sure that performance it's the best performance of his career so um and it's the first movie he's really like headlining as the top act um i know he he did a little bit in the quiet place part two and then of course early in his career in 28 days later but that was more of an independent film um but this is his first big studio like headlining like he's the star you look at the posters it's his face so He's definitely in the performance of his career, so give him the nomination. Uh, Best Actress, again, I thought Margot Robbie is, she's just so, she's she's just so talented. The duality of her is just amazing. She can, you know, her ability to cry on cue. There's a scene in Barbie where she's not confronting, but she's uh, approaching like a, a young little girl and her friends and, The little girl like just rips her apart but the way that margot robbie performs in that scene is just like not many actresses can pull that off and pull it off convincingly and there's also another sweet moment in that movie where she's sitting at a bus stop and she's trying to like just reconcile and everything that's going on in the story and she's trying to you know get in contact with whoever she's supposed to meet and she looks over and there's this like little old lady and there's this just moment this really sincere moment between the two of them and it even got me as like that was a super emotional moment and a lot of it is through looks and just the way that the 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 characters are looking at each other and it's just such a sweet moment like i loved it i loved that part so much that may have been one of my favorite moments of the movie was that little scene um so i think she should be i think she'll be a lock for best actress um depending on the field but You know, this movie is just gonna be a a big headliner all the way through in terms of like everybody talking about it and all that stuff. So it's gonna be hard to ignore. So I'm gonna lock her in for, for best actress. Best supporting actor? robert downey jr is going to be a lock um this is going to be his comeback into like cinema like real movies sorry mcu stands and you know i know you all loved his portrayal of tony stark and while he was good in that but that was that was robert downey jr playing robert downey jr and if you think it's not like go watch any of his interviews and any of the press he's been doing for oppenheimer like he's but he acts like tony stark like that's that's him in real life this was him playing a real character with real depth and just you know, and also the chameleon part and the way he was, you know, the makeup and the costuming and the way he doesn't look like, uh, you know, a handsome Robert Downey Jr. in this movie. He's just, you know, he's a menacing threat in the movie. So he's definitely going to be a lock for Best Supporting Actor. Very, very slim chance Matt Damon does, but... Who knows? I've been surprised before, but I think that a supporting actor feel, it's smaller, but it's also going to be more crowded. You know, you, you think about De Niro later on in Killers of the Flower Moon and there's other performances, including Barbie with Ryan Gosling. Is it possible you can get a, a supporting nomination for his role as Ken for as a bigger a buffoon that character is, but the way it's portrayed in the movie, like it works perfectly for what it is. Um, it was a real standout and he's a, he's a scene stealer in, in, in every sense of the word. So. Um, I can see it getting a nomination. W- percentage wise, what am I thinking right now? Probably 75 to 80 he gets nominated, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he does. So, um, for screenplays, I, I need to consult with Daniel Tucker on this one because Barbie, uh, has a chance here, but I don't know if it's going to go as adapted screenplay or original screenplay because it is based off the Barbie Mattel toy. So, and the Barbie toy is not, an original idea it's an adapted from a product but the story is original but i don't know that's going to be interesting i have to have that conversation with him but also the, there was a article on variety seeing how warner's was going to push this movie same thing for oppenheimer it's it's based on a true story but it's it's loosely adapted from that american prometheus book i mentioned earlier but there's also elements where it's like nolan's putting his spin on things even though most of the movie is kind of factually based, but you'd have to do a real deep research on to see like what stuff that he changed in the movie. Because I mean that, that goes without saying, right? For any true story in in the history of Hollywood, there's always stuff that's adjusted for dramatic purposes. So, um, I wouldn't be shocked if there's a lot of stuff in here that's fabricated, but, for the most part, I think a lot of the stuff that happened in this movie is has been backed up and said like, no, this is how it really went down. So, but it, again, it's also interesting whether it'll go for adapted or original screenplay. It was written by Christopher Nolan. So, and uh, again, Barbie was written by Greta Gerwig and her husband Noah Bumbach. Um, but I, I'm going to hold off. But they'll definitely get nominated in the screenplay category. I just don't know where production design definitely barbie will be in there um the barbie land set is just incredible the dream house and the cars and everything just looks that's some of the best looking 20 minutes of movie you'll see that's not cgi and again if this was done in the cheap way with any other director and a whatever vision of the movie it would have been most of that barbie land sequence would have been cgi and i think it would have looked terrible and i that's one of the things about practicality is that it, it makes it look more authentic and it it makes it look better. Like the just the look of it is awesome. Barbie is one of the best-looking movies of the year. I think Oppenheimer 2 will get nominated for production design. Um, you know the locations that they used and the costuming, best costume design also for Barbie, Oppenheimer, both locks for that, um, sound and sound editing, sound mixing for, for Oppenheimer, lock that in, uh, best original score, L- Ludwig Goranson, I think is his name, uh, he's done Black Panther, he's done, I think he did Tenet, he did the, he did the first two Creed movies, his stuff is just so, epic already kind of like on a Hans Zimmer level um and he does I think his best work here with the with the Oppenheimer soundtrack I was listening to it yesterday and I was just I was like levitating to a point like it, it was that good and that haunting and that just it was grandos man I loved every single track uh for Oppenheimer um best original song Ryan Gosling, I can see him getting nominated for I'm Just Ken. Look that up. It's a, it's a real song in the movie. It's super funny, but also super original. It's also as bombastic as the Peaches song by Jack Black in the Super Mario Brothers movie, which I think also will be nominated. So throw Ryan Gosling in there. Have them do like a sing off at the Oscars next year. Put them side by side. And have one do one performance and then him follow up with the other it it would make for great television so you got to think about the oscars also from a marketing standpoint and i'm sure you know the telecasters are thinking man let's nominate these songs so that way we and i mean they're also good original songs based in movies so they're worthy of their nominations but from a marketing standpoint that'll be great television um I'm sure there's other nominations that I'm not thinking about but those are the the top ones that for sure I think uh, Barbie and Oppenheimer should be considered for. And again we're we're in the middle of July, a little bit late July. So we're a little bit past the halfway point of the year and uh you know, we'll get start getting more of the you know, quote-unquote awards buzzworthy movies being released. Obviously the big one I'm looking forward to is Killers of the Flower Moon. Martin Scorsese starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro um, so that one's going to be in the conversation as well but Barbie and Oppenheimer will definitely be a, a big talk of the Oscar season and Warner Brothers is going to push this one hard I know and then Universal for sure they're going to back Nolan all the way and it's almost kind of a lock in a lot of awards uh, areas so uh, for sure it will be mentioned um, next year. Um that's going to do it for this Barbenheimer episode of Palace off the Top Rope. I hope you've enjoyed my analysis, my commentary on both of these movies and just what they've meant to to me and what they're meaning to the industry and and again just the the instant classicness that is coming from both of them and and the mania that's just going to continue to roll on. I, I mean, they're getting killed at work still. I'm off today, so Uh, I'm getting, taking a little bit of a breather, but then I'm back at it tomorrow and I know it's still gonna be crazy for both of those movies, so I'm super excited as we continue on this Barbenheimer Mania. Um, you can listen to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. I do distribute this podcast through all my social media pages on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, through Podbean.com. You can download the app. You can listen through the Podbean app there if you want to hear the podcast. Past episodes are all there. On your way to work at the gym you know wherever these episodes are always available for you um and i greatly appreciate any feedback or just anybody that listens in general i just i i appreciate it so much uh but thank you guys for joining me so much and again if you haven't seen barbie or oppenheimer i highly recommend them both and if you've got the time and if you've got the commitment do it as a double feature i promise you're gonna feel so good afterwards and you're gonna just your love for cinema if it isn't reignited then uh Maybe you don't love movies as much. I'm just kidding, but it definitely reignited my love for movies. Um, and again, that's, that just happens every so often. And, and this is, this was a moment here and I'm glad it happened and I'm glad that I was able to experience it. And, um, yeah, I hope you do too. So thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. God bless you.